What does the Bible say about dating? That is a great question. Uh, For it assumes the questioner wants to live under what God says. Um, And you know what? There's a problem though, and we're going to look at that. But let me say this really quick. One of the problems that we often see in Christianity is that there is a great danger if you are a Christian and you take the name of Christian, if you profess to be a Christian, to um, not say things and to not live in a way that the Bible really aims, directs, and commands us to live and to do. Does that make sense? There's a great danger of not living that way. And the reason that's a great danger is because the Bible itself, Christians believe, is authoritative. That it has the right in our life to direct us. It gets to tell us what to do in some way. So there's a real danger uh, when we sort of omit, so to speak, uh, what the Bible teaches. However, that's not the only error that we can make. And here is another one. Another error that exists that Christians can fall into, especially when coming to the topic of dating, and that is that they can speak where the Bible is very silent. More specifically, they can say or imply that the Bible says something where it in fact doesn't. This, if you will remember, was the real error of the Pharisees. They looked to extra outside of the Bible rules, laws, and traditions and gave them the same weight as the Scriptures. And Jesus, for example, had very heavy words for the people that decided to do that. He, in fact, called it slavery. He condemned it as wicked and evil. So, I want to ask you tonight then, very simply, what does the Bible have to say about dating? Here it is. Are you ready? Nothing. Let's pray and go home. Just playing. It's like asking the Bible in some ways, what does the Bible say about watching football? It doesn't say anything. Now, does that mean that it's wrong to date or that it's wrong to watch football? Absolutely not. So where are we left then? And listen to me very carefully. Where we are left and how we proceed is largely, is largely through, through broad principles. When we come to the topic of dating, we are left, like I said, in the main with broad principles that we try to apply to life. The Scriptures now invite us, therefore, to apply these principles in a myriad of ways to all of the complexities in the world that we live in. You see, um, take for example this. The Bible does not tell you who you should marry. The Bible does not tell you what college you should go to. The Bible does not tell you what job you should take. You are left, if you are a Christian, with what the Bible says wisdom, and it says, apply it and figure it out. And that, for the most part, is the sum total of the Christian life. So, when we come to this idea of dating, I want you to, begin to, I want you to understand this. There is a ton of confusion around, quote, the biblical way to date. And the short answer is this. There isn't a biblical way to date because the Bible doesn't say anything about it specifically. The Bible does not have clear commands on how to do it. So that's what I mean when I say this. Tonight we must look at broad principles and apply them. And me as a, as a minister of the Gospels, a minister of the Word, I have to step back a little bit. That makes sense? Like I don't stand up here with the same authority that I would if I were preaching and open up the book of Matthew or the book of Luke. I I have to stand back a little bit because I I don't have the authority to throw at you this stuff in the same way I would otherwise. So, you're free to disagree with me. 
A lot of this is going to be practical application, and you just need to understand and kind of see that tonight, okay? So, listen to me first, though. This I want to say. Ryan does not have tonight 20 steps to make you a better dater. That's not my goal. My goal tonight is not teach you how to throw a better curveball or how to make a better cake or to make you a better dater, okay? I don't have 20 principles or 10 steps to make you happen to do that. Now, listen. We so desperately, though, want that, and that's something that you need to name. The vast majority of the Christian life is not spelled out for us like this. So, what we often do is we say, yeah, but I want a list. I want you to just tell me what to do. I just, just give me the list, Ryan. And so what we end up doing is, is we go to pastors or teachers or ministries or churches that will just tell us what we need to do. And I want to say that that's not healthy and that's not good because the aim of the Christian life is to actually get you to think. For actually to learn how to teach you and to show you how to walk with Jesus. Listen to what one songwriter says. I didn't even cover my points yet, but I'll come back and get them in a second. Derek Webb puts it this way. He writes a song called A New Law. Listen, he says, don't teach me about politics and government. He's sort of saying, hey, this is what he's sort of cynically, sarcastically saying, this is what happens in most churches. He says, don't teach me about politics and government. Just tell me who to vote for. There's the new law. Don't teach me about truth and beauty. Just label my music. Don't teach me how to live like a free man or a free woman. Just give me a new law. I don't want to know if the answers aren't easy. So bring it down from the mountain to me. And there's the image of Mount Sinai, Moses coming down with the law. And he's saying, so just give it to me. Just tell me what I need to do. It's a very powerful image. So tonight, I'll touch on a few specific in some ways. But I don't have a new law for dating with you. I want to say my first point is this. The first idea that we need to get our mind around is that to date is to love. And it's not like you think. To date is to love, and it's not like you to think. Um, I need to say this, um, and then I'll kind of move on. Um, Be very, very careful. Can I urge you this? Please be very, very careful when you hear somebody spell out to you the 20 steps or the 5 steps of biblical dating. Because you need to take what they say and look at the Scriptures and see if it applies. Because if not, you know what they're doing? They're giving you a new law. And they're, and they're, they're teaching you how... They're, they're saying, if you want to be right with Jesus, date Matt that way. And that is new law. That is not freedom. That is more slavery. And we'll look at, we'll look at it in just a little bit. So lastly, let me say this before we jump into this. I want you to see that we are looking at broad principles tonight. And because of that, I don't have a whole lot to say except for what I'm about to out of this text from the Bible. So let's take a look at that. To date is to love, but that it's not what you think. Everything falls underneath the rubric of love for God and for people. And that is what Jesus is saying here in this text in Mark chapter 12. A man has come to him the man is asked, what do I need to do? What's the greatest command? And he says, love your Lord, the Lord your God with all your mind, heart, soul, and strength, and love your neighbor as yourself, for, these are, for this is the, greater, the greatest command, uh, commandment. Now, my goal to try to, is to t- try to show you tonight that really what is at the point, at the point that you ought to date, if you decide to do this, is to love God and love people. 
And you go, that sounds really, really weird. It doesn't seem really, really practical. Hang with me. Every summer when we were growing up in Tennessee, my family would drive down south through Alabama all the way down to Florida for our vacation on the beach. And every year we would stop on our way and there was this little, I don't remember, it was somewhere in Alabama, probably, I think it was in North Alabama, there was a little barbecue joint right off of Highway 65 that we stopped every year going down and every year coming back and it had some of the greatest barbecue I've ever tasted in my life. Um, we, when we got to the barbecue stop, though, going down, we ate. And then what we didn't do was get back in the car and drive home. Hang with me on this. I want you to see that the goal of our trip was to get to the beach. And just because we stopped at, to get barbecue, that was not our final goal. But it happened on the way. So I want to say this. The ultimate goal was going to the beach. And then the... Sorry to use a big word. Penultimate goal was to eat there at the barbecue joint. Now, why do I say that? Last week I mentioned to you that if you are thinking about dating, you really need to begin to think about the end to which dating is going. And I want to suggest to you that is true, but the ultimate goal for you is to love God and to love people if you're a Christian. And that ought to be the aim of, of any dating relationship that you're in if, you are, uh, if, you're, if you're dating somebody. The Westminster Shore Catechism puts it this way. It says this, the chief end of man, the beach for the man, ready, is that you would enjoy God and glorify Him forever. You would glorify God and enjoy Him forever is actually how it goes. That's another way of putting it, that whether or not you believe in God at all, you, the, the, the reason that you exist on this earth is to enjoy Him and to delight in Him and to make much of Him and to love other people. That is your whole purpose on earth. And so if that is the grand ultimate design of what it means to be a human, whether you're male or female, whatever we think about and say about dating must fit in there. That's what I'm trying to get you to see tonight. Now, you're saying, Ryan, give me something practical here. Okay, it's too heady. It's too heady for me. Bring it down. Well, listen here. I'm going to bring it down because I do think that um, it is very important that we see how this connects with real life. So let's take a look about this at practically. Let's see how this might flesh itself out. Anytime I ever meet with a Christian and they want to talk about dating, they're in a relationship with somebody or they're not, there's always a question. And you guys can probably know what I'm going to say, but I'll go ahead and out there. The question always comes up, Hey, Ryan, so, uh, where's the line? How far really is too far? Now, this is incredibly practical that everything I've just said about love has a bearing on. And I want to say this right quick. How far is too far really is a bad question. And here's why it is. Because it focuses on what can I get away with without having a heavy conscience. That's really what the question is after. It's not aimed at loving God and loving people. And because Jesus Himself actually nowhere says in the Scriptures, Hey, Ryan. Hey, college junior. Here's the line. So I can't say, here's the line. Do you see what I'm saying? You see how this goes? But here's the real problem. Jesus says this. You want to know where the line is? I'll give it to you. Love. Love God and love people. There's your line. And now, 
all of us are going, uh, <laughs> wait a second here, I can't do that. And that's exactly the point. Hang with me on this. Immediately, you see how this confronts two types of people and invites, therefore, two types of real growth and repentance. Hang with me. First of all, it exposes that wild and crazy sort of sexually promiscuous person, especially with the label of Christian, and it looks at them and says, you must stop. Because the Lord your God has issued forth a command, an ethic, a sexual ethic that He lays forth. And He says, dear one, come home. Turn away and come home. That's first of all what He says. But secondly, there's another type of person that He confronts. And He confronts the person that begins to look at and to trust in their own moral righteousness and purity. You see, even though they may never have held the first hand, if the reason they are doing it, the reason that they're not doing that, the reason they're keeping their hands off of somebody is to put God in their debt or so that God would give them something or that so God would one day give them a future spouse. Listen, hang, out, hang with me. They are not doing all that to love God. They're doing it to love themselves. And therefore, therefore, they're just as guilty. Why do I say all this? My point is this. The end game of dating must be a genuine love from the heart toward God, toward other people, and uh, one that's brought about and can only be brought about by the Holy Spirit. And immediately this shows us, therefore, how desperately we need Jesus' love for us as we enter into relationships. Let me drive this home just a little bit further. Um, actually, I'm not going... Well, yeah, I need to. Okay, I'll pick two easy ones, practically here. Um, okay, guys, listen up. Fellas, listen to me. Christian dudes, okay? If the only reason that you are dating or pursuing a girl is to hook up with her, if that's the only reason you're doing it, I want you to see that before you've even touched her, you have violated love. And that's not me speaking. That's Jesus in Matthew 5 speaking. Why? Because, remember, you are made, men, to use your strength to protect and to promote the flourishing of every female that God gives you the grace to be in the presence of. That's the high calling of what it means to be a man. And the thing is, is that when you begin to live like that, that's when, the, that's when ladies begin to go, that guy's, there's something different about him. Love. Ladies, I'm on you now. Ready? Here we go. If you think that it is okay for you to just sort of flirt and to, and to do so without any, sort of, um, in, without any sort of intention in dating this guy, you just need your emotional needs being met, I want you to see that that is cruel and that you have violated love. And so therefore what that means is, is God is calling you as ladies to really act wisely in the way that you walk towards men. To do so unwisely is to invite serious harm on us fellows because you're communicating something with your mouth, with your body language, with touch, that you don't mean right here. And that is to violate a very serious principle, not only love, but the principle of let your yes be a yes. And let your no be a no. 
That's what Jesus is driving us to. I said this, that to date is to love. It's a high standard. It's one that none of us can keep without Jesus. And so we desperately need Him. Let's move on. Again, I said this would look more like a seminar. So secondly, I want to show to you that to date is to long, but it is not to long in the way that you might think. Um, I want to show you this, um, that um, the idea here that we long for is uh, you long for desperately for your relationships to have definition. Now, what do I mean by that? Hang with me. I want you to see that everywhere else in life, you walk into any relationship and you know how to define it. Okay? So think about this. My buddy Matt Howell, he's a campus minister at the University of Tennessee, says this. He says that like if you're on the football field and you're playing flag football with somebody and you score a touchdown and you, um, it's awesome. You might go up and uh, do a chest bump with somebody, right? Uh, you might even give them a little butt tap, a little what we call the good game, okay? But you know that that is acceptable within the realm of being on a football team with a fellow player. Just accept, you just know it. But if you like go to your chemistry class and ace your chemistry test and go up to your professor and like chest bump him and give him a good game, completely inappropriate. Why do I show that with you? It's because this, you are longing for every single one of your relationships to have definition to it. And what this means is, is that I want you to begin to see this. College students are pitiful at this. Because they love to say, well, let's just walk through it. Y'all start hanging out. Big groups of people. And then there's sort of girl and guy, they sort of begin to pull away from the group and they hang, they hang back from the group and they end up talking till 3 o'clock in the morning. And then she goes home and talks to her band of seven girls and they're all like, oh my gosh, what's happening? What are you talking about? And the dude goes home and plays video games, Okay. <laughs> But when y'all have hung out for like the fifth time or the tenth time, I don't know when it is, is at some point, somebody's going to ask, and it's probably going to be one of that band of seven girls who's going to ask this question. So, like, what are y'all? <laughs> right? It's going to happen. And what she's going to say is, she's going to be like crying in her pillow and her tears. She's going to be like, I don't, she's be like, I really don't know. Because just like, I, I mean, we were, we were like texting first, and then um, we were talking, but I don't really know what that means. I mean, we're like hanging out a little bit, so y'all know what I'm talking about. Don't lie to me. <laughs> but what I'm saying is, is this. You actually long to know where you're at. And what I'm saying is, is that what you long for is for real definition. You long for somebody to actually name that you're dating. Now here's the thing. I'm not going to go into all the things that makes dating dating. I will look at some practical stuff a little bit next week. But here's what I want to suggest to you. That I don't care what you call it. Hang with me. I don't care what you call it. If you're hanging out with somebody, if you're spending exclusive time with somebody, if you're going out night after night after night, if you're paying for somebody's meals or not, it doesn't matter. If you are hanging out with somebody over and over and over again... You can call it hanging out if you want. That's fine. But listen, if it waddles like a duck, if it quacks like a duck, if it's got green feathers off of its tail, 
And if it swims like a duck, you can call it a chicken all day long. But it's, you're the person that's in denial. It's a duck. It's a duck. And I want to suggest to you that this is what's happening in most of our relationships. We have a major disconnect between calling something what it is and what it actually is. Here's what I mean. There, there is the isness of the relationship and how we name it. Now listen, here's four options. Think of Punnett Square for you biology folks, okay? There is, there is on the top, what are we? Are we dating? Yes, we're dating. No, we're not. That's the top. Over here, what are we calling it? Yes, we're calling it dating. No, we're not. Let me tell you the happy zones, okay? These are the places that you want to be. You want to be in yes, yes, or no, no. That's the happy place. Because you can look at it and say, we are dating, and I'm calling it that. Or you can say, we are not dating, and we're not calling it that. That's actually, those are great places to be. Let me show you the crazy zones. You can probably begin to guess who they are. You are dating, but you refuse to call it that. That's called the denial zone. You're denying what is really there. And I'm inviting you to stop. There's the other one. This is a little bit more crazier. Where you're not dating, and you're calling it dating. That's called the delusional zone. What am I trying to get, at you, get you to see? I actually believe that all of us long to have... You hate the DTR. You hate it. But it is so wonderful. And it begins to set you free. Because you know what you are. You begin to know how to do things. You now begin to know how to walk and to talk and to how to relate to somebody. And I want to suggest to you that if you are in a relationship that is of utmost importance... Let me share an illustration with you from my own dating uh, Laura. For those of you that don't know, my wife's name is Laura. We've been married for a little over seven years. And uh, when we first started dating, uh, I was scared to death of her. She is about six and a half years younger than me. I think we've talked about this. Yes, she was in fifth grade when I graduated high school, but we won't go there. Um, But uh, I I was uh, 28-ish when we began to date. She was 22. Uh, and um, I was utterly scared to death of like all of the dynamics that were at play in that situation. But uh, after much prayer and consideration and counsel and pep talks with some of my dear friends, I was like, I'm going to ask her out. We're going to do it. Let's do it. Let's do it. I didn't, we weren't talking. I didn't ask her to hang out. Here's what I did. I was in my 97 Pathfinder, and I was driving her home, and I was like, I can feel my armpits are sweating and my hands are wet. And I'm going, oh gosh, I've got to ask her out here. And so um, I drove her home uh, and we were, we were at a party together. And I drove her home and I said, hey, Laura, you know, uh, I, would, I was wondering if you would let me take you out to dinner for one night. Would you, would you, would you let me do that? And there was a pause that lasted, I'm pretty sure, 10 hours. <laughs> It's really only like 10 seconds. And she said, uh, you mean a date? And I was like, that's exactly what I mean. That is exactly what I mean. I mean a date. Will you go out on a date with me? And she paused again for another 10 hours. And then she looked at me and said, no. No, I'm not going to go out on a date with you. And I went, who, who are you? Like, nobody said... 
Like, who says no to me? Just playing. Actually, I thought that, but we won't go there. Yes, I have pride problems. Just get off. Um, I did that two more times. She said no two more times. My point is, is this. I didn't leave any doubt in her mind about what I wanted. I wanted to take her out on a date. And fellas, can I just encourage you? We're going to get into some practicals on this later. It's time that you learn how to ask a girl out on a date. And it's not asking her to hang out. It's time that you put the pressure on her, that you look her dead in the eyes, and you say, I want to take you out on a date. And you make it hard for her to say no. Don't text her. Man up. I don't mean you're not a man. I'm just saying it's time. It's time. And ladies, we're going to talk about this one next week. You need to come up with a good reason if some guy puts himself out there for you to say no. I'm not saying you got to go on the second date. I'm not saying you need to go out on the third date, the fourth date, or the twelfth date. You can always say no if you don't want to. But I think a brother, if he's going to man up and ask you out, you can woman up and say, let's go have dinner. That sounds great. That's my, that's, listen, hang with me. Let me get this on the tape. That is not in the Bible. Okay? So don't go out of here saying, Ryan said the Bible said you have to say yes on the first date. Because that's not what I'm saying. But my point is, is that defining it, let, putting a label on it, it's helpful. That's my point. We're long to be late. Man, I'm running out of time. Holy moly. Okay, here we go. We got to get moving. All right, let's go. Um, to date, therefore, is to live with the end in view. Thank goodness I have two weeks on this because I may just have to pull the plug on this. I want you to begin to see that tonight, that, um, that when we date, that when we date, I really want to urge you to think about the end in mind. That... Um, that really what is the picture that Jesus gives us is that uh, when we think about relationship, if you are a Christian and you want to be in relationship, the goal, the end, the fulfillment of that is marriage. End of story. It is not a lifetime of dating. And listen, college students, are you ready? I will put this on the tape. You're in the big leagues now. You're not in AAA anymore. You're in college. And let me just, let me say this this way. 200 years ago, y'all have been married and had three kids and you've been just fine. You wouldn't have gone to college. It's just culturally, in our moment, you have given, been given the opportunity to go to college and to delay marriage if you want. But I want to suggest to you this. Don't think that just because you're in college that you're not ready to start thinking about being married if you are a Christian, this is what the Bible says. That he who finds a wife, or she who finds a husband, finds a good thing, and the Lord's favor rests upon him. And when the Bible speaks about a good thing like that, it is something to be sought after. It is not something that is just neutral. It is something to be pursued. And that's why I said last week, and that's why I'll say again this week, some of y'all need to begin to embrace the idea that you want to be married and you need to quit running from it. That's what I mean when I say the end is in view. So what does this mean for you? I think, I think it means this. I think it means that like, 
One of the things that you need to be considering when you're in a dating relationship very early on is where is this thing headed? No, I do not think that this is wise. You sit down with a date, your first date that he just asked you out to, you're so excited and you go, so you want to get married? No, don't do that. That's a bad idea. Okay? But I do ask you this in all seriousness. When do you have that conversation? When is it? If you're a Christian, I guarantee you it should come a lot sooner than you think it does. Because the Bible's goal for you, if you want to be in relationship, is to actually get married. Now listen to me. This is, I mean this very carefully. Some of you immediately object, but what about my job? What about my school? What about my Range Rover? And what about my 401k that I'm trying to pad? Don't I got to get all of those things set up first before I get married? I mean, y'all, that's a great question. That's a great question. And I, y'all would not believe I was looking through my Bible the other day asking myself the same question. And you know what it says about all those? It says nothing about it. Not a darn thing. It nowhere near says finish college before you get married. Now, your mama's not going to like me saying that. She's going to be ticked if she hears this tape. But here's what I can say to your mama. Jesus says it's all right. Jesus says it's all right. And Jesus says it's a good thing for when man and woman get together and they get married. Here's my point. Do I think you should go get married tomorrow? No. But if you decide to, listen to me. All you need is a minister. All you need is some cheap rings and some promises. And if you're a Christian, you got one of them knocked off the list because I'll marry you. You see what I'm saying? Now here, y'all hang with me. I just want to say this. There's a lot more that can be said. I'm getting all excited. I get it. I need to calm down, take a little bit of chill pills, a little bit of chill pills, let's do it. Here's what I want you guys to see. I want you to see that relationships like this, that when you begin to think about dating like this, all sort of fears arise, all sort of just, I get so scared that I don't know what I'm supposed to do with it. Can I take you in your Bibles to uh, John, 1 John chapter 4, and that's where we're going to close. 1 John chapter 4. Sorry, you Bible folks, you got on your phone, y'all are way quicker than me. 1 John chapter 4 says this in chapter 17. Sorry, 4 verse 17. By this is love perfected with us so that we may have confidence in the day of judgment because he also, because as he is also, so, because he is so also are we in the world. He's talking about Jesus having come and provided a sacrifice and atonement for us in Jesus. Listen to what it says in verse 18. There is no fear in love, but perfect or complete love casts out fear. For fear has to do with punishment. And whoever fears has not been perfected or completed or filled up in love. We love because He first loved us. Why do I stop there? Because I want you to begin to see that what is driving all of your fears is at some level, you not seeing the profound, deep, and rich love that God in Christ has for you. And I, begin to, I will submit to you that when you begin to see that, all of the other things that you're really scared about, whether that be in dating, or whether that be in marriage, 
or whether that be in singleness, you can begin to rest because you know the only love that will never get let you go is really yours. So we'll finish this up a little bit next week. And I want you to stick around if you've got time afterwards uh, to do Q&A. But uh, let's close in prayer.